good to be with you all tonight. Just wanted to also uh, thank you as we draw near to the end of the, the fiscal year for your generous giving this year and just encourage you to, to be prayerful about um, uh, generously supporting the impact of our church as we draw near the end of this year so that we can, um, we can wrap things up nicely. So thanks again for your generosity. Well, what comes to mind when, when you think about a king or a kingdom? Sometimes these verses, these wonderful texts that appear on Christmas cards and, and, and things like that, they almost can become like uh, elevator music. We're just so used to hearing them, we don't really think about what they mean anymore. So when you think about a king or a queen or a kingdom, what are just some of the first things that, that come to mind? I, I was thinking about that this week as I was studying this passage, and I was surprised that most of my immediate associations with kings and kingdoms and queens is, is kind of negative. I think of uh, King Lear, uh, goes mad, ends badly. King Henry VIII beheads his wives. Uh, Sandy and I are enjoying the crown, uh, which is a, a study of the monarchy and uh, all the kings and queens and princes are either mean or weak or both, and it's it's just kind of ugly. And as the Australian prime minister says before Princess Di and Prince Charles visit, we've outgrown the monarchy. We're more mature than that. I think that's a lot of the ways we think about kingdoms. It's like, that's just from old days. We, we've outgrown that. When we do talk about kings, sometimes it's kind of a joke. There's a new movie out. I haven't seen it yet, but it's called The King of Staten Island, and the king is a 24-year-old high school dropout that uh, likes to smoke a lot of marijuana. We love The Lion King, but that's a Disney movie, and we don't expect to see Simba in real life. So given how we think about kings and kingdoms, a passage like this one can be um, a little hard to make sense of. And as Matt pointed out, uh, an angel comes to Mary, says, you're going to have a child. His name will be Jesus. He's going to be a normal child. You'll give birth to him in the normal way. He's going to be a man. He's going to be a boy. He's going to be human. But if you read carefully, there's something different about this child. He's also going to be son of the Most High. He's going to be a child of God himself. So this child is both fully human and fully divine. And, and, and this, this Advent, we're looking at the doctrine of the Incarnation, and that's what we mean by that, that God has become flesh, that he became a man, and that Jesus is fully man and fully God. And we're asking, what does that mean for us? Well, tonight we want to look at this, this little, little scripture that talks about this God-man bringing in the kingdom of God. And there are a lot of uh, kingdom language here. Jesus will receive the throne of David. He will reign over the house of Jacob. Of his kingdom, there shall be no end. So how are we to think about this? And, and what actual difference does it make for our lives? Well, I think we can begin with a little help from the Mandalorian. Uh, if some of you are Baby Yoda fans, um, the Mandalorian this week opens on the planet of Corvus outside the city walls of Kalodan. Uh, 
And it's a creepy scene. This gassy brown mist hangs over the city like a poisonous cloud. This once vibrant forest is all cut down by years of warfare. There are these armed guards in creepy gas masks that are scanning the horizon for a liberator. And then inside the city, it's, it's ugly. Uh, the citizens are put in cages and they're, they're crying out and they're being tortured by a cruel leader that's captured the city. And the cruel leader is called the magistrate. Well, the Bible describes the world that Jesus came to save in a similar way. Uh, John 14 says, Jesus says that Satan is the ruler of this world now. And Paul calls Satan in Ephesians 2 the prince of the power of the air. In other words, this world is not what it was intended to be. It's fallen. There is a usurper on the throne when Jesus comes into the world. I, I mentioned Christmas cards. I love Christmas cards. I love lowly, lovely paintings of snowy fir trees and horse-drawn sleighs and beautiful, cheery, starry nights. But if you wanted to paint the world as it really looked on the eve of Christ's coming, a better picture would be Culloden. It would be a city under siege, a city in captivity a city in, in bondage to a cruel tyrant. Well, as the gas mask guards look over uh, the murky forest, a Jedi warrior appears, and she joins the Mandalorian. That's the hero of the show, this great warrior. And together they defeat the magistrate in battle. And then the next scene that you see is uh, the, all the citizens rushing back into the streets and celebrating and laughing and dancing and it's a beautiful, beautiful picture, and the sun rises and the mist starts to burn away. Well, in a similar way, Jesus defeats Satan on the cross from his oppressive rule. And Jesus' weapon is not a lightsaber, but the cross. Colossians 2.15, Paul says that Jesus, by dying on the cross, disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. And when Paul uses the word rulers and authorities, he's talking about demonic spirits, kind of the demonic armed guards that keep Satan's forts. And Jesus himself says in Luke 4, I come to set the captives free. He, he sees the world as in bondage to Satan, and he has come to set it free. And the prophets, interestingly, could see this day coming, but they couldn't understand how it would all work out. Uh, God says to King David in 2 Samuel 7, when David is actually sitting on his throne, God says through the prophet Nathan, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, and I will establish his kingdom forever. So this was something that the, the, the prophets pondered over for hundreds of years because it was this odd prophecy that David would actually have a child who would sit on the throne, a literal flesh and blood child, but that this child would reign forever, that it would be an eternal king, that somehow this messianic king would be both human and divine. And Jesus fulfills that prophecy. And so what does Jesus come preaching? The kingdom of God. He says, 
The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, one of the things as we go through Advent, we remember is that there's two comings of Christ, not just one. And so it's important to remember that Jesus has decisively broken into the world and established and begun the kingdom work, but the whole universe won't fully come under his loving authority until he returns a second time. So we live in between the times. Now, in the final scene of uh, The Mandalorian this week, a man is, after the magistrate is defeated, they give her robe to another man, one of the former captives, and they give him the responsibility of now caring for and rebuilding the city. And in a similar way, that's what God does with us. Jesus came, established the kingdom, started the revolution, but now he gives us a robe. He gives us a role to play. He gives us a responsibility in the kingdom of God to rule. Now, the word rule has a bad connotation, too. But you remember from two weeks ago when we looked at Psalm 23, we saw that in Israel the idea of a king ruling was as a shepherd. So to rule in biblical language is, is to care for people. It's as a shepherd to be gentle, to protect, to nourish, to guard, sometimes even to, you know, to be hard with them, to get them in the right place. But that's what a biblical idea of ruling is. There's another old word the Bible uses. It's called dominion. And it's this idea that uh, God gives all of the citizens of his kingdom a dominion over a little corner of the kingdom, just like in the Mandalorian, that, that man is given the robe and he now has to rebuild his little part of the world. Well, when you become a Christian, you become a part of the kingdom, a part of the revolution, and Jesus gives you dominion, a little corner of the world that you are responsible to shepherd and protect and care for and nurture and guard and bring to its wholeness. So let's end by just thinking a moment about what does that look like for you? What is your dominion? Do you know what your dominion is? Do you know what little corner of the world God has given you to shepherd and protect and bring under Christ's loving authority? Well, we can start with our hearts. The first area that we have dominion over is our is our hearts so maybe before we go any farther and what we're, we're trying to work out here is what does this kingdom language really means it means that you have been delegated authority to care for a little corner of the kingdom you have dominion over a little corner of the kingdom and that begins with your heart Advent's a good time to ask, is Jesus king of your heart? Is he Lord of your heart? Or, or really, if you were honest, would you say, no, my heart is like a rebel outpost committed to serving my ego. 
We also have dominion over our our bodies, right? He's given us all uh, a body to, to protect, to take care of, to use to serve him. So let's just start there. How are you treating your body? Are you eating clean? Are you abusing substances? How's your sleep patterns? If you're in an intimate relationship, are you using your body in an honorable way to love and serve and give God glory? Or are you using your body to take something from someone else? A third area Jesus gives us dominion over is our gifts and skills and possessions. Would you say that you're exercising dominion over the gifts that you have, the skills that you have, the the resources that you have? would, Would you say that you're using them in a way that extends and reflects the values of the kingdom of God? in and around you. A fourth area we have dominion over is the people that we lead or coach or mentor or parent or teach. A soccer coach, a math teacher, has been given dominion over precious lives to protect and encourage and strengthen and motivate. That's how the kingdom of God comes into a city when a, when a parent shepherds her children through the valley of the shadow of of death, when you care for that, that elderly parent, when you stand before a classroom and you, you, you speak words of life, whatever your discipline is, and you care for the people in your classroom, the clients in your practice, that's how the kingdom of God breaks into the world. Now, in a related way, we, we have a kind of dominion with not really over in any way, but with the relationships in our lives, right? You could probably sketch this out. God has given you people that you have some kind of kingly dominion with. The the barista at the store, the person at the dry cleaners, your friends, your parents, your children, the, the widow across the street. You know who they are. Are you seeing those relationships as an opportunity to gently love, encourage, protect, pray for, give kindness to, share the gospel with? You know, that, that, that aspect of our dominion may be one of the most important things we have. And as we go into the winter and people are more and more isolated and as more and more anger comes out as people get more and more frustrated. You know, one of the holiest things you can do, one of the ways you can expand the kingdom of God is simply by the way you relate to the relationships in your dominion, the way you're Christ, the way you listen, the way you look into their eyes, the questions you ask, the invitations you give, the tips you give. Well, let's end with one more. Jesus gives us uh, a kind of virtual dominion, too. I just want us to think about that for a minute. Um, 
you do have influence through Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And, and when you post, you are not just posting your opinions. You are exercising dominion in the kingdom of God. You have a space on the Internet that either reflects the character of the kingdom of God or reflects something else. So what are you doing with the space you have in the virtual universe? Are the kind of things you're saying and posting consistent with the values of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world? The prophets that we are reading about in Advent, they they had this mysterious glimpse of this divine human king who would reign forever over the kingdom of God. And, And Jesus is the fulfillment of those prophecies. He is indeed a son of David. He is indeed born to lead an eternal kingdom, a divine child. He came to reign forever. And he builds the kingdom now through us as we make him king of our hearts, king of our bodies, king of our gifts and skills and possessions, king of our relationships, and even king of our internet presence. So this is why the Incarnation gives us hope. We have hope because we believe the revolution has begun and we get to play a part in it. And we have hope that one day all of life will be fully restored under Christ's loving reign. Let's pray. Lord, maybe... Maybe we can just begin tonight by asking that question. Are you reigning in my heart right now? Is my life, as far as I know, yielded to you? Am I even putting myself into places that remind me that I'm a part of a different kingdom. The Lord, we just we pray right now as as we continue to walk through this beautiful and ruined world. We confess any area of our life that we have not yielded fully to your gentle kingship. Lord, we we confess any area of our inner life, any attitude, any bitterness, any fear, any thoughts, anything that's not fully yielded to you as king, we confess. We confess, Lord, any way that we are not yielding our body fully to you with our sexuality, with our eating habits, with our eyes, And Lord, we confess any way we are not yielding fully our gifts and skills and possessions to you, our money, our time, anything we are holding back that you're asking for, we confess. Father, we we confess any way we are not caring as shepherds 
for the people you'd given us to lead and parent and teach and counsel and guide. We don't want to be like the verse we read last week in Ezekiel, the the false shepherds. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us if we've forgotten the glorious privilege of shepherding other people. And Father, forgive us for any way we've not had eyes to see the kingdom spreading through the network of our relationships. Help us to be aware of kingdom opportunities, opportunities to speak a word for you in the relationships that you've surrounded us with. And finally, Lord, we confess any way that our virtual presence is not revealing the ways of the kingdom of God. We ask this in your name. Amen.